Hello and welcome to Queer as Fact, the podcast bringing you queer history from around the world and throughout time. My name is Eli. I'm Alice. In today's mini-episode, we're talking about the life of the World War II Dutch resistance fighter Willem Arondius. Given that this is in World War II, you might guess that we have some content warnings for you, and those content warnings are the Nazis. You sound so cheerful. Well, look, Alice. Sorry, I'm excited to be recording with you here on this fine day. I'm sorry that you don't feel the same. (laughs) (laughs) I probably should turn down the, like, gibbetous, though, as well, though, because unfortunately this episode also contains executions. Not mention of executions, like full on-screen executions. Oh, okay. Yes. And also paratypical homophobia, and I guess implicitly anti-Semitism. Uh, and we're also going to talk about poverty and a relationship with some amount of age. Okay. So if any of that sounds like something that you would rather not listen to, feel free to skip this one and tune in next time. Before we properly begin, I wanted to talk about sources a little bit. Mm-hmm. More properly about how there kind of just really aren't any in English that are up to scratch, I feel, uh, which is why this is a mini episode. Okay. So he was a Dutchman, and therefore there is information about him in Dutch. If you could read Dutch, do you think there's enough information out there that, like, like, is there a biography of him or something in Dutch? Um, I think there is a biography. There's definitely, like, a documentary about him, and he wrote diaries and stuff. So, like, you could probably cobble something together. But okay. uh, we don't speak Dutch. So that's a moot point. So I essentially have three sources that I decided were, like, legitimate enough that I was going to use them as sources for this episode. The fact that you said legitimate enough makes them sound kind of shoddy. Well, they are kind of shoddy. <laughs> Okay, let's begin. (laughs) I first came across his story in an entry in a book called Who's Who in Gay and Lesbian History, which is pretty much like a little encyclopedia with encyclopedia-length entries on various gay and lesbian people from history. It's pretty good to get, you know, like a giant list of people from gay and lesbian history, although it is specifically only interested in a Western context. But it is like quite shoddy in its details so we've done episodes on people that are included in there before and i've like looked at those entries out of curiosity and sometimes they contain factual inaccuracies is this the one you brought up with captain moonlight uh captain moonlight is an example of a person on whom they have factual inaccuracies yes (laughs) okay okay with other people that we've talked about though i've had other sources and like english language biographies and primary sources and things that i can look at to form my own opinion and I, i don't here really okay uh so there's that Uh, I also read about him on the websites of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum and Yad Vashem, which is the big Israeli Holocaust memorial organization. Because these are both fairly reputable organizations, I decided that the information on their sites was also, like, good enough. Yeah. Uh, But having said that before, we've definitely read articles from reputable newspapers and so forth about people that we've talked about on this podcast that contained factual inaccuracies. So, you know, there's that. Okay. Uh, But that's really, like, all I have. Uh, I am going to, as well, include information from the oral history interview that the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum did with Frida Belenfante, who was also a Dutch World War II resistance fighter and who moved in the same circles as Willem. But she didn't mention him my name in that or anything like that it's just kind of like background information about the resistance okay there are other articles that you'll find online in english and other 
queer history projects have similarly like written about him or whatever mm-hmm. uh and you'll find that they all mention the same two like articles that people wrote and things like that because there's just very little on him in english well cited or not so all of this is to say we did our best uh, i think it's a pretty interesting story but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we can't promise all the facts are 100 percent correct yeah we can't Okay. Uh, I just had, like, no primary sources at all that I had access to, and that was deeply unsettling, and I didn't like it, but we're here. Um, I also wanted to give a blanket apology, as always, for this episode about the fact that I can't pronounce Dutch names. Obviously, we don't always pronounce Dutch names badly in every episode, but, like... <laughs> we speak a lot of languages in these episodes that we don't know how to speak. Yes. Yeah. So I apologize for my mispronunciation of everyone's names. We we have Dutch listeners, I think. We probably do. I couldn't. I think so. Yeah, uh, just from like the map. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this one goes out to you with love and apologies. Finally, to move on to the topic at hand, Willem Arundius was born on the twenty second of August, eighteen ninety four, in Amsterdam. To get this started on a good note, the Who's Who book claims it was eighteen ninety five instead. I don't know. Could be either, I guess. Yeah. He was one of six or seven children. <laughs> that's an easy thing to get wrong based on like when do you count children if they die very young that's a common problem in like yeah i've also seen this kind of thing happen before where like one book will say he had six siblings and then someone will cite it and say he is one of six and things like that like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all his parents were tailors who worked for theater companies making costumes or something of that nature (laughs) again there's slight variation (laughs) in the meager sources that i have Um, But his family and their occupation and how many of them there were aren't really that important because he left home at 18, never to speak to his family again because of conflict arising between them over his homosexuality. Okay. And they're never going to speak again, so... So they're not key characters. No. He goes off and studies at art school and he becomes a painter and he makes friends with various artists. He struggles to survive for the next 10 years, though. He doesn't really receive any recognition as an artist over that period. Mm -hmm. He receives his first paid work as an artist at the age of 28. Uh, He paints this wall painting for the City Hall of Rotterdam. Do we have any of his artworks still around? We have a few, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, he's paid for a couple more works and he starts to receive a couple of newspaper reviews, which are positive. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, in 1928, he stops painting and he starts to turn to writing instead as an artistic pursuit. Uh, And he's writing poems and short stories and likewise, these aren't selling well or really receiving much recognition. Mm. Throughout this time, he also keeps a diary, which I mentioned before, in which he writes quite openly about his desire for friendship and for love with other men. Mm -hmm. So like, his his death's gay. (laughs) Okay, so the gayness is not up for debate, even though his birth year is. Yes. Good. Yeah. And we have this diary now? I mean, like, I'm inferring that on the basis of it being mentioned and people seeming to know what it said. Okay. So, like, probs. That's good. In 1933, at the age of 38, he met Jan, who was a, quote, young delivery boy from grocery store in the countryside close to Appledorn, which is a smaller city mm-hmm. uh and it's where he was living at the time nowhere really ventured to guess at how old Jan was okay uh so this could be anywhere i guess from context to kind of like mid to late teens to early to maybe mid 20s yeah i mean i guess if willem is in his 30s then late 30s even yeah yeah you could describe someone in their 20s as young to him but yeah so i i don't know yeah you could also be talking about a teenager 
Jan soon moved in with Willem and they were going to live together for seven years and be in a relationship for seven years. That's nice. Yeah, that is nice. What isn't as nice is that they often didn't have enough to pay their rent or to eat. Uh, Mm. And Willem especially felt ashamed of this because he felt that it was his responsibility as the older man in the relationship to be able to provide for his partner. Mm. In 1938, he started writing the biography of the Dutch painter Matthias Maurice, who had fought in the 1871 Paris Commune uprising. Uh, Willem really strongly identified with Matthias. A little bit of foreshadowing there, maybe. <laughs> Is Matthias queer? No. Okay. No, I'm more talking about the, the fighting against, yep. uh, you know, a oppressive regime. Yeah. Fair enough. As perceived by the... Yeah, anyway. um, <laughs> I don't want to get into the 1871 Paris Commune uprising too much. I don't think that's necessary. And he publishes this biography, uh, and for the first time in his life, he gets a steady income. Oh, that's nice. That's good. It is good. I hope he eats good food. Mm. Or just, like, food. So we definitely have this kind of, like, that's good, that's, that's bad, bad. <laughs> kind of uh, trend going on here, and to continue to escalate that. The Nazis are here? The Nazis are here. In May of 1940, the Nazis occupy the Netherlands, and Willem really just isn't having that and joins the resistance. Good on you, Willem. Uh, they are living in Amsterdam at this point and not long after he joins the resistance and the Nazis invade and all of that, uh, he breaks up with Jan hmm. and he goes back to Appledorn while Willem keeps living in Amsterdam. Do we ever hear of Jan again or is that no, not Jan? Okay. One thing that I read, which isn't one of the three things that I said were kind of legitimate. So one non-legit thing? Yeah, one just like random article on a like kind of dubious news site said that this was because he wanted to protect him. I don't know where they're getting that from. Okay. You know, it's a nice bit of colour to the story. Maybe they just didn't want to date anymore. I have no idea. And, yeah, so, like, Willem gets involved in resistance activities. One of the things they're involved in is distributing fake registration, like, ID cards for Jewish citizens. Mm -hmm. So Jewish citizens in the Netherlands at this time have to have an ID card that has a J on it marking them as Jewish. Yeah. And so obviously if someone, like, checks their ID card and realizes they're Jewish, then, like, bad things might ensue. Mm -hmm. Wait, is Willem Jewish? No. Okay. Really probably should have made that clear. (laughs) No, he's not Jewish. I definitely assumed he was, and I was like, wait, you never said this. No, he's not Jewish. No, he's just, like, a decent human being. But these registration cards had just like a fake number on it and so if you went to the registration building and you compared it with the files there you could quickly figure out that it was a fake mm-hmm. because the number would be attached to a different name than they said it would or it just wouldn't exist in their system or whatever yeah but you could just use it in your day-to-day life if no one was cross-checking you yes but nevertheless this is a problem mm-hmm. and so they decide that what they're going to do is to destroy the registration building in Amsterdam that had all of the identity cards. Yeah. So on the evening of the 27th of March, 1943, Willem and a group of students, artists, and young doctors get together wearing German army uniforms uh, with Willem dressed as the captain, and they go to the building and they ask the guards to open up for a special inspection, and they fall for it. Hmm. So they go in there, and then they subdue the guards, they handcuff them, and the doctors who are there sedate them. Okay. And then they put them in the courtyard out of harm's way. Uh, and then they set the building on fire. Good on them for subduing the guards and putting them in a courtyard first. That yeah. Was like very... That was very decent of them. But yeah, so the plan is really just as simple as like, what if we set it on fire and then they do that thing and then they leave? Uh, so the police and the fire brigade and Nazi soldiers all show up, but the group has fled. 
uh, and this act goes on to inspire other similar acts of destruction elsewhere, and they mm. succeed in destroying 800,000 identity cards. Wow. Mm. They go to the apartment of one of the members of the group and they celebrate and very happy. Mm -hmm. uh, it is announced that a massive reward will be paid for any one of the members in the group and so Willem goes into hiding. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one of the members of the resistance betrays them all. Right. So all 15 of them are arrested on April 1st, 1943. There's a trial, but like obviously it's a pretty sham trial. They're not mm -hmm. going to let them off. Uh, Willem tries to take the main responsibility for the act on himself the two doctors who were with them who had sedated the guards are sentenced to life in prison. The other 13 are sentenced to death and they're executed on the 1st of July, 1943. Okay. There were two other gay men in the group, Sherd Backer, who had made the German uniforms. I was going to ask where they got the uniforms and I was like, you probably don't know because you have information. <laughs> you probably told me everything you know. Well, I, I have now, so that's where. I don't know where they got the cloth or anything. And Johann Brauer, who was a writer. Okay. He didn't write anything for this. He just did that generally. Yeah. Uh, Backer's last wish was to be given a pink shirt in symbolism of gay stuff. Okay. As in he wanted to be executed in a pink shirt? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Willem asked his lawyer to make public his final words uh, and that he and the two other men were gay. And the final words were, tell the people that homosexuals are no cowards. Oh. And then he went to his death. And it's mm. for these final words, really, that we know Willem today. Yeah. So good choice. <laughs> Those are some good last words. Yeah, they were. And therefore, most of the time when he's mentioned today, his homosexuality is a really integral part of that story. Like, mm. the whole point is he is a gay man who... Fought Nazis. Fought Nazis, who was humane enough to fight against Nazis. <laughs> Nevertheless, for years, this wasn't the case. He wasn't really talked about all that much at all, let alone the fact that he was gay. Did people talk about this, like, group and what they'd done? Or? Yes, but his role within it was not discussed so much or downplayed or yeah. whatever. His family received a Medal of Honor after his death from the Dutch government, uh, oh, but not until the 1980s. Oh. Mm. Uh, and it didn't become known until a TV documentary came out in 1990 by Dutch filmmaker Tony Bowmans uh, that he was gay. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how he came by the information he did. Like, I assume this was just, like, around in archives and things and people yeah. just weren't publishing it. But he publicized it and now we know. Good on him. I'm proud of Willem. Me too. I'm a good man. Okay, well, anyway, yep. this has been Gore's Fact. <laughs> I don't feel like I can add much to this story. No, I'm really sad that I don't have more to tell you. Mm. Well, hopefully in a few years, one of us will learn Dutch and we'll give you our long episode on <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, like, someone who already speaks Dutch will just translate the biography. That's true. If you speak Dutch and you're wondering what to do with your time, mm. get on that. So that was a very short and simple story, which I guess is, you know, why we're doing these mini episodes to try yeah. and bring these stories to you anyway. Thank you very much for listening. We've been Queer as Fact. I'm Eli. I'm Alice. If you want to find us between episodes, you can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter as Queer as Fact. You can find our podcasts on Podbean and iTunes and really wherever else you find podcasts these days. Please feel free to check us out on there and you can contact us on any of those sites. Please especially review us on iTunes. It really helps us find a greater audience. If you want to get in touch with us more directly, you can also email us at queerisfact at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you. We'll be back on the 15th of June when Irene will be talking to us about the Russian poet Sofia Parnock. 
We'll be back on the 8th of July with our next mini episode, where Alice will be telling us the truth behind the story of the female Pope, Pope Joan. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>